You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up. It's Friday, June the 30th, the last day of the month, last day of the quarter, last day of the first half of 2017. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us for a wrap-up is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, great to be here. Uh, sort of a so-so week. Uh... I'm sort of, as I suggested, I've been kind of waiting for this options expiry in London to end, so maybe we can get back to some reality in the precious metal markets. Uh, I, I found it rather interesting that uh, U.S. dollar was, was very weak, but uh, gold went down this week, which tells you that there's other forces at work, and, and we, we can discuss what those might be. We'll get to those in a second, but first I want to remind everybody that these weekly wrap-ups are brought to you by the Sprott Money International Storage Program. We store over a million ounces, and we are proud of our perfect audit record. Visit SprottMoney.com storage to learn more. Yes, Eric, it's uh, been a very volatile week, actually, with the stock market in the U.S. going up one day, down the next, uh, back up the next day. Bond yields are rising rather sharply, but that's probably the big news this week is, as you mentioned, the big drop in the U.S. dollar now actually lower than it was when things were locked up on election night. What do you make of all this? Well, it's, uh, I mean, obviously people are very worried that the central banks might have actually changed course and that they might, might uh, shrink the balance sheets and, you know, I think the, the average person looking at it would realize that the expansion of the balance sheets is the only thing that's held it all together here, that uh, they've taken rates to, you know, negative interest rates. Uh, the central banks are very much in the stock market. We know that the Bank of England's in, that the uh, the Swiss National Bank is in, that the Bank of Japan's in, and I would suspect that uh, the uh, the Fed is in, whether directly or indirectly. And then all of a sudden you start shrinking that balance sheet and all of those things go away and you, you end up with a huge problem. So people who have been writing this thing, believing that the central banks can hold it together, really have to <clears throat> kind of reconsider their position here because this thing could come, come apart in a, in a real big hurry. And we see that kind of in the, the way that the, the yields are shooting up quickly here, the way the stocks are collapsing like the NASDAQ and the fangs and things like that, they're, they're, these aren't little moves anymore. They're, they're just not uh, holding it together. So uh, I think there's a lot of reality to, the, to sort of the fear that there might be a change in sentiment as to what the central banks will do, or at least what they say they're going to do. I suspect they won't be able to do it, quite frankly, because I think the market will crash. So we'll see where that all goes. You know, I saw, saw a chart on Zero Hedge a couple of days ago that showed the only thing that the S&P is tracking with, it's not with the data, not with earnings, nothing, none of that. It, the S&P is tracking the growth of what they call the G3 uh, balance sheet, with the G3 being the Fed, the Bank of Japan, and the ECB. That's the only thing the S&P is tracking. I, I asked Chris Martinson, who was our guest for this month's uh, Ask the Experts segment, are the central banks... Do you think are they? Uh, do they actually have a plan, or are they actually just reactionary? Are they just reacting to events and trying to hold it all together? Trump victory when the market was getting hammered overnight and and gold was going up, and all of a sudden, you know, within a very short time frame, like within hours, it all changed. I'm absolutely convinced that the plunge protection team, the U.S. plunge protection team, came into the market, and of course, it's always coordinated. You know, they get your your G3 central banks are all in there, so. 
Yeah, no, and I think they, they, they are reactionary. They just can't stand the thought that uh, that the, the telltale signs are in that it's over. So the minute the market starts moving down, they come back in with something. So, you know, we're going to expand the balance sheet, now we're going to shrink it and think nothing's going to happen. I mean, that doesn't seem like the, much of a plan. Yeah, and so aren't they kind of playing with fire then, Eric? With uh, you know, the, Even Draghi this week was talking about raising rates or shrinking their balance sheet. Yeah, yeah, no, I, they are. I mean, it's the one thing that has has held everything together, and and it's it's why a guy like me, a guy like you, would say, well, you know, it's just a big Ponzi scheme going on here, that there's really no recovery. I look, for example, at uh, personal spending that just came out today, up uh, for the month of uh, uh, May, I guess, point one percent, point one percent, and I have to sit and listen to people on. Bloomberg and CNBC say, well, we met expectations. Okay, well, you know what? We didn't meet expectations. Nobody expected spending to be up 0.1% and GDP to be up 1.4% in the first quarter. And those numbers are obviously very, very suspect. So, no, it, it's the, the economy's not working. I saw um, mortgage applications year over year are down 17% now. You read about... Uh, House prices in in the UK, in London, and New York City plunging. There's all sorts of signs that the car sales are going down. The, the, um, the building uh, home new home applications, uh, not home new home purchases, uh, were down. So there's lots of signs that things are cooling out here, uh, and it's only when the market starts breaking like it did yesterday, for example, and maybe the, the Fed will be in again today trying to boost things up. I see we have the stock futures a little on the plus side, although they're fading every minute here. Uh, but I think it's mostly reactionary. They come in just to try to hold it together because it's the only thing that's working. In the real world, there's no recovery. Another article I saw yesterday that I thought was interesting uh, noted that the global debt level, if you put all of the developed markets, the developing markets, the emerging markets, put them all together, they now, the global debt level is 327% of GDP, Eric. And even on the, I guess, a kind of a more local level, we've got the big news pending later today about the state of Illinois, whether they can somehow come up with a budget and, and begin to solve some of their problems. All of these things fit together, don't they? Yeah, they're stunning numbers. I, whenever I think of, you know, what normal interest rates would be, let's say 5%, I mean, if you had to pay 5% on 327%, that means you're spending 16% of all your income on interest. Interest, no principal payment. And the interesting thing about that 327% or the, the, the absolute size of the debt, it doesn't include the unfunded liabilities. The unfunded liabilities in the United States are five times the debt. And it's like Illinois. The unfunded liabilities are probably five times the debt of Illinois because we've all pretended we're going to make these payments to people both in terms of pension funds and health care payments and so on and so on. We can't make them. So it it's, goes way beyond the 327%. It's, I mean, imagine if you put in $100 trillion for the U.S. instead of the $20 trillion for the U.S. Try that number on, US GDP, on, on the world GDP. seems to me world GDP is about $50 trillion. That would be another 200% right there, just for the U.S., just for the federal government, not the states and cities and the corporations who are also underfunded. So this whole... Pension fund, Medicare, medical cost thing is just the biggest financial tsunami coming at us, and uh, we have done nothing. 
to deal with it. We just ignore it all the time. And, and you see it manifested in your, the situation you're talking about, Illinois, where they're going to stop paying the contractors as of tomorrow. Uh, Connecticut, where Adnan pulls out of Hartford and is going to go to New York City. I mean, the smart guys are going to leave, right? I mean, the only answer the state has to raise taxes, well, what do you want to be in a state with that's raising taxes for? And, of course, as the, as the guys leave the state, then the finances of the state get worse because they don't have the employment in the state. So we're in, a, we're in quite, a, quite a mess here today, and, and that's why the central banks keep trying to hold it together. Turning to the metals, I know you, you uh, mentioned to me earlier that the uh, Swiss gold export numbers caught your eye again here this month. You want to expand on that? Yeah, well, they exported 171 tons. and A number I work with is we, we produce about 220 tons ex-China, ex-Russia, who don't export any gold. They consume their own gold. So, uh, you know, that's about 80% of all the gold that is mined all around the world, none of which is mined in Switzerland, right. <laughs> uh, gets exported from Switzerland because it all goes to Switzerland to get refined. And, of course, for the most part, it goes to China, India, Turkey now, uh, those are the, the biggest consumers, mostly mostly Asian uh, um, countries. Uh, but the fact that uh, that there's that huge and those were almost record numbers uh, for the month of uh, of May uh, from the, from Switzerland. So it just indicates that there's tremendous demand for gold all throughout the normal consuming countries. And uh, I, I still think there's a very very large chance that. Uh, that we could end up with a physical shortage here, both of gold and silver. Uh, I think it looks good, and uh, if we can get a rally started here, if these markets want to, these stock and bond markets want to start fading, there's not many things to buy uh, that that are going to hold in there, and certainly gold and silver are one of them. So uh, that would tighten things up physically very, very quickly. Well, that's a good segue to, I guess, the final thing we should talk about today, and let's kind of put a, a wrap on the first half of the year. We mentioned the stock market being up. Yeah, it's up about 8% year-to-date as we speak, but gold's keeping pace. Uh, it doesn't feel like it, I guess, because silver's only up 3% and the shares are unchanged, but gold's actually up about 7% year-to-date so far. I guess we should begin to look forward to the second half of the year and see if we can do a little better. Well, I certainly think so, and, and I'm surprised that the stocks aren't up much, but you know, there's a little bit of tomfoolery goes on on in those stocks, too. I mean, I just can't believe... You see these hits taking place in the gold market. We had a good hit this week, right, where I think it was on Tuesday. It was down 20 bucks at 4.01 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and then for the, for the gold stocks to believe that stuff is, it just blows me away because we did have options expiry on uh, the COMEX on Tuesday. We got options expiry today in, uh, in London. I think it expires at 9.30 our time today. Uh, so I'm hoping that things will bounce back from there. And, you know, for, for stocks to react to, you know, the obvious game that's going on here on this nonsense that goes on regularly always surprises me. And I think the, the companies are generally doing better. Uh, they're getting their costs under control. Uh, the ex- there's been lots of exploration success uh, that I've noted. So I, I think we could have a great second half. I'm sort of look- I'm for sure looking forward to it. Perhaps as we turn the corner into a new quarter... Things will uh, we'll get past this window dressing stage at the end of the quarter and the end of the first half of the year. And maybe as we turn the corner into the new quarter, it's hard to say this early in the morning, uh, <laughs> maybe things will look a little bit better. We'll see. We'll talk about it next week and see where we stand. We look forward to it. All the best, Craig. 
All right. Thank you, Eric. And thanks to everybody for listening. As we said, we'll talk to you again next week.